Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We're exploring the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And on the phone with us today is Joe Stanhope, VP and Principal Analyst, to discuss the role and the real impact of technology and marketing. Welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. So marketing technology, or MarTech, is taking an increasing mind share and share a budget from CMOs. I mean, right now it's 21% of the budget. And yet 41% of the, at least the B2C marketers say they lack technology. So, so where are we in the real state of technology in the marketing function? I think that, that marketing has really become a, a technical discipline in the last 10 to 15 to 20 years. Uh, nobody ever calls me up and says we want to give the technology back. Uh, fundamentally, uh, executing on marketing or customer engagement requires a technology backbone. Uh, and, and marketers are called on to assemble a set of marketing technologies to help them develop uh, the insights that they need, right, to understand the performance of marketing, to target the right customers, to personalize experiences, and to actually uh, create and orchestrate those engagements. So technology isn't optional anymore in marketing. Uh, and that's driven, uh, naturally, uh, a huge amount of investment. Right? And we've seen that escalate at this point, as you mentioned, uh, to uh, over 20% of the marketing budget, which is a pretty huge number. I mean, after you subtract out uh, resources and FTEs and media spend, uh, marketing technology is a pretty big chunk of what's left over. What's disappointing is that the, the technology uh, is still a struggle in terms of deploying and using it and getting it to uh, create the, the kind of results that brands and, and even consumers expect uh, from the experiences that they get. So let's go to that last point, which is what are the expectations consumers expect? So I think what's happened is you've had, in a sense, a pivot in what the expectations are for the technology. I think in the last 10 or 15 years, the technology became very, very specialized and specific, which made sense because so many marketers at brands organized in such a way so they could have very sophisticated and smart email or display media or targeting, mobile marketing, and the tools developed to do those specific tasks very, very well. And that worked well for a long time. And obviously, the marketing technology industry was very successful on the back of that. And marketers adopted and used to success an awful lot of technology very, very well to achieve good results. So on the surface, uh, you really can't say that technology and marketing hasn't been a success because by every measure, it really has. But the problem is is, uh, that the playing field has fundamentally shifted now. And marketers are on the hook now to deliver these cohesive customer experiences and engagements, right, where consumers see channels and devices as being um, really completely arbitrary things, right? And if you reflect on how you are as a consumer and how you perceive the brands you do business with, um, we expect that we're going to get the same personalized, relevant experience uh, on demand, essentially uh, on any device, any time, uh, whenever you want it in your exact moment of need. Yeah, and it seems like the, the first step in the process of technology was it created efficiencies within the channel swim lanes. It sort of said, I'm going to help you run your business faster, better. But it didn't actually change the game yet. But what you're saying is the customers are forcing the game to be changed. I mean, their expectations are ultimately going to be expressed in either satisfying them or having them churn out and so, or, or simply not be acquired. So the marketers are being forced to use technology differently than they might have already architected for it. Just as a starting point, how aware are the marketing executives that that technology has to enable or stimulate that shift of sort of a, an operating model 
versus it's simply there to drive an optimized environment? We see a, a fairly significant amount of awareness that the uh, this problem or the gap exists. Um, I think you're right that, that these tools grew up to do specific things very, very well. And when you peel back the onion on what most marketing technologies do, they are essentially variations of the same thing, right? Uh, we have all these different categories of tools. Forrester covers no fewer than 25 different categories of marketing and advertising technology, which would encompass literally thousands of different vendors or suppliers. But a lot of these tools do little variations of the same thing. They help you orchestrate some kind of interaction. They help you create a universe or a set of segments or an audience. They help you create that message, right, or interaction, deliver it, and then some basic activity reporting. And it's that same set of functions over and over and over again by, by niche, by channel, by geography, by product line. Um, and so we fall into this trap of thinking, look, we're going to have the best email. We're going to have the best loyalty. We're going to have the best mobile. We're going to have the best website. And you buy that very into the tool time and time again to work in parallel. And again, when it's time to make them work together, the tools were never designed for that. Um, and so we've been buying technology in such a way, basically, that we're painting by numbers is the way I describe it, right? We almost have this shopping list of acronyms, and we go and we think we're going to buy each one, right? And we check them off the list, and we think that having a bucket full of this marketing technology is going to help us get the work done. But that's not enough. And marketers are aware of it because when we do surveys with buyers and users of marketing technology, they consistently tell us that despite having spent collectively tens of billions of dollars on marketing technology, they, they struggle with what feels like marketing 101 problems and the challenges we were talking about 15 to 20 years ago. The challenges, in a sense, haven't changed. We're still struggling to integrate online and offline marketing. We're still struggling to understand interactions across devices. We're still struggling to be fast enough and have real-time interactions, despite all of this technology. So what, one question I have is that, you know, often technology sort of reflects the budget structure, the organizational structure, and the operating structure of the, of the marketing team in this case. So if the mindset is that we still operate in channels, that the organization is still organized by channels, and the budgeting, using your example of MarTech and AdTech, is still organized by channels – then you would expect to see that the technology is bought and sequenced in the channel structure. How much is that that the technology will depend on some of the more fundamental organizational operational changes to happen first, or is the expectation that technology is going to trigger those changes? I think you're, you're exactly right with that thought, that um, when you think about how we got to this point, right, it wasn't that some technology vendors decided, hey, we're going to split a bunch of stuff up or that um, a bunch of channels technically demanded that they be so separate because the infrastructure, the technology was so fundamentally different. Uh, one of the things that you can very reliably uh, say is that um, suppliers will always follow where there are budgets and where there are buyers, right? And sure. so the technology followed what marketers wanted from them, right? And, and that isn't anyone's explicit fault. It's how the, the market developed. So at this point, it becomes we're actually a victim of our own success. Um, as people wanted ultra-sophisticated email, ultra-sophisticated search marketing, the tools developed in that way. And uh, it becomes uncomfortable today because we realize we have all these tools that have different buyers and different users and different budgets and different data and different outcomes. But it started out as a way to provide uh, the most powerful, you know, best, most effective marketing that, that brands wanted. So knowing that a channel-specific MarTech structure 
or technology dedicated to specific channels is not necessarily the direction we want to go in the future. How should marketing executives or marketers using that technology think or, you know, what is an organizing principle that they should be using to think of what that structure should be in the future? Yeah, and that's where it gets hard. We wish there was a singular, consistent, magical answer to this, and there isn't one. And and it's because different brands obviously have different needs or different industries, different geographies, different regulatory situations, Mm -hmm. different levels of uh, maturity. Um, And yet marketers can't stand still, right? Uh, Sometimes I call them sharks. They always have to be moving. And uh, that's because they have these these very sophisticated, uh, entitled, empowered consumers saying, give me amazing experiences and engagement uh, that I expect or I'll find someone who will. And, of course, on the other hand, marketers have uh, a CEO and a board of directors saying, we need marketing to help drive this business forward and we need results for marketing. There isn't a free pass internally for marketing anymore either. One of the things you said that was interesting was this emphasis on experiences, because one of the dynamics that has been underway for the last several years is, in many cases, the CMO and the marketer has taken a broader role within the enterprise, which is to to govern the experiences delivered to the customer, meaning marketing is not simply about customer acquisition, but increasingly about the delivery of services, the delivery of experiences for retention and loyalty and those types of things. So how much of it is that you you have this expansion of remit to the marketers and their thinking of technology has to go well beyond simply the acquisition point? Well, it certainly increases the complexity and raises the bar. I think it's driven by what consumers expect. But when the remit of marketing expands or the expectations of collaboration across the enterprise expand, Essentially, everything becomes an opportunity for marketing. Everything is customer engagement. In yeah. service, at the call center, uh, a, a thank you receipt. Yeah. A, Every uh, touch point, right? An, an email, yeah. uh, the social interaction in the store, on the kiosk. Everything is an opportunity to engage. It doesn't necessarily have to be promotional, but everything is an engagement opportunity. And it's far more than acquisition or building a brand. Yeah. So, Jen, you, you said there were a touch point, and I think that's one of the things that is is different, which is marketers, many marketers were sort of groomed on channel management. Channels, I'll yeah. optimize the channel, but journeys transcend channels, and the touch points sort of reside in or transcend the channels as well. And so now the marketer is being asked to manage the experiences at that touch point for that person in that context. And it's much more difficult for the marketer to prescribe what the journey will be. Back in the day, right. uh, a, a brand could do, you could call it mass marketing, but you would target a set of cust- customers. You would uh, you know, maybe take out an ad or do a television advertisement. You could reach an awful lot of people with your message very, very efficiently. And we still live with the vestiges of that today. We still talk about reach occasionally, right? That's right. where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not enough anymore. Uh, consumers, of course, control what that customer journey is, and it's not something that the brand defines. The brand has to be ready to act consistently at any moment in any device. And when you talk about touch points, um, email occurs at multiple places. It can be on your phone. It could be on your computer. It could be on your work computer. It might be on a kiosk somewhere. Um, so you don't even know where any channel is going to be picked up anymore. One of the key things here at the individual level is identity, and there have been different forms of cottage industries as it relates to uh, managing identity across channels, whether that's ad tech, martech, or, or in the different channels within ad tech. 
Where are marketers in that thinking of sort of the upside and downside of identity? Identity is something that marketers have, have always done, but there's a, a renewed interest in it because of, as just as we talk about um, execution complexity in marketing and the expanding remit of marketing, all of those create new demands on being able to resolve the identity of a customer. And it's one of the things that's probably the most important foundational aspect of the marketing and probably one of the things we talk about the least, unfortunately, is the fundamental assumption of everything we do in marketing is that the customer will be addressable at the end of some tactic or, or executable that you perform with them. Brands can start thinking about identity in a much more strategic and a much more pre-planned way. And would that be like the foundation of their, their tech stack almost? Yes, because you can buy all of the technology, but if you don't have the right level of identity resolution for your customers, you won't be able to generate the right kind of insights. You won't be able to execute in the right places. Uh, So one of the keys to actually exploiting these massive technology investments is having the right data in the right form resolved at the right level of identity, putting a a huge amount of interest uh, in identity and, of course, in the data that surrounds it. You know, one of the challenges is the connective tissue of data, that it does actually sit in multiple systems of record. It has different formats, syntax, and meaning. How much of the silos among the business lines within the CIO, CMO plays out if the CMO and their teams are attempting to get sort of unfettered access to all of the data that might exist across the different functions of the enterprise? There's a very human aspect to all of this. Um, just like technology itself doesn't fix a lot of problems all alone, uh, never has, never will. Um, the way we collaborate, uh, the way uh, we're organized, the processes we have uh, ultimately dictate success. I haven't seen as much as a conflict between a CMO and a CIO. In my experience, honestly, those groups tend to get along reasonably well and uh, wish to have strong collaboration and to continue to improve how they work together. What I've seen more of are the battles between business units, yep. where you have multiple business units, uh, perhaps in a global organization or in even a, a large uh, company, national-sized company, and they have different products and different data assets. And this literally just came up in the last month where a large consumer brand um, has multiple divisions, and their biggest division that has the most consumer data refuses to share their information with any other business unit. Do you think it's because they're protecting their p and I mean, they're, you know, the business units have goals and markers and maybe not the CMO and the CIO. Well, this unit uh, by far in the corporation has the largest set of data and the most complete set of data about their customers. So everybody else in the company is craving access to this information and is looking at the potential for the company as a whole mm-hmm. to create a, a larger set of data that everybody could benefit from. Um, I think uh, simply it becomes a matter for them of political willpower. This largest division also happens to be extraordinarily successful right now. They're hitting their numbers quarter in, quarter out. They are crushing it. And that means that they don't have to play nicely (laughs) or play by other people's rules in this company. If they don't want to share their data and they don't feel they're going to benefit as much from other divisions' data as the other divisions will benefit from theirs, um, they don't have the right incentive or top-down strategic pressure uh, to, to participate. And so right now they have the political wherewithal to say, we're going to pass. It's also telling 
um, about generally how that company perceives customer relationships, isn't it? Mm. That the executive leadership at that company uh, permits that to happen despite the larger good uh, and uh, perhaps a misunderstanding of the intellectual property that the that they possess in those data assets. Yeah, there seems to be an intellectual understanding of the power of data, but in actuality, companies are really struggling to marshal that data across silos, across the enterprise, to unleash the full value of it. Yeah, there's definitely, in my mind, a gap right at the executive level of a perception of the value of data and generally of, of marketing. You can see it in the way technology has been built up for many years, uh, not just that data example where divisions are able to choose who they share with internally, but you see it with technology, too, where for years, um, divisions, geographies, groups within companies have been allowed to buy whichever marketing technology they want. There was no cohesive marketing technology strategy. And again, that is biting them now because they're finding that everybody has multiple duplicative tools, which is a huge time and resource drain for the business technology and enterprise architecture groups or the marketing technology office that actually maintains and stands these tools up. But it also gets away, again, of creating those cohesive customer experiences. So uh, a lot of this has been allowed to happen for a long time. Executives have not drilled into or understood um, the value of investing in this the right way and maximizing the value of data. And especially when you get into identity resolution, I strongly believe that a brand's customer identity graph is a real corporate asset. I believe it's unique intellectual property that brands own and are monetizing, if not externally, actually internally. And it's very hard. In a world where a company's competitors can buy basically all the same technology and most of the same data, how do you create a sustainable competitive advantage when everybody has the same foundation? Right? Again, you think about using it differently in strategic ways, but you have to create unique assets. And having unique data and unique customer identity graph is extremely difficult for competitors to replicate. Well, it's provable that, I mean, you look at the firms that do well with data, they have done well in the marketplace, and you could argue that they've actually shaped the market, whether that's Google or Amazon, what have you. I mean, the, the provable power of of data or identity graph for any any ability to marshal identity and provide experiences accordingly is 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 sort of the future for most companies. It's the backdrop for reshaping the economy towards a platform economy. Right, and I think that we've seen enough proof of that that it's it's time for corporations to really rethink, right, how they consider their marketing and customer engagement and customer experience and how they consider the technology and data assets that they have. And that's both a a top-down aspect where uh, senior executives need to understand the value, right, and what that drives. And it's a bottom-up where the the marketing leaders need to uh, educate senior executives on the value and potential of what they're creating. So, Joe, you said an interesting word uh, in your prior answer, which is enterprise architecture. You described marketing moving from a technology environment that was optimized to channels to one that is driving value across touch points. So how much is an architect required in marketing right now to both design this, make sense of this, and make it work? It's huge. And we absolutely believe that IT, enterprise architecture, technology resources have to be involved in the marketing technology conversations. We do not endorse in any way, shape, or form disintermediation of a company's technical resources uh, apart from using marketing tech. 
uh, somebody needs to own marketing technology and it needs to be properly resourced uh, with both the marketing and the technology assets to make it work because you are dealing with a web of technologies and a web of data underneath it. And so at minimum, even when you would have a situation where marketing has a formal marketing technology office where they are relatively self-sufficient at managing and standing up and using their technology, you still need to be working with ET or IT or enterprise architecture to make the data assets across the corporation available. Yeah, and also to facilitate experiences across those things that are part of the the customer journey. And privacy considerations as well. So we, we talked about a lot of the evolution to where we are right now, and so we, we sort of surmised that there's going to have to be a shift in mindset, a shift in op, in operations, and then tech is there. It can allow for uh, graceful journeys across touch points and experiences that help differentiate the firm and all that stuff. The one question you'd have is that we're seeing a greater role or a greater import in the marketplace of artificial intelligence, and now with the release of of Apple new iPhone, which is the, the larger and more mainstream role of augmented reality. So how much of these other technologies are coming in influencing how the CMOs think about technology or the pace of their technology evolution? Well, I, I think there's, there's two factors in there uh, if you unpack the question. I think, one, you have a general acceleration of um, Internet of Things and consumer technologies like the new iPhones. Um, and it's not exclusive to iPhones by any means. Uh, think of, say, Nest and some home automation products where you have a, a general explosion, the sophistication of those devices, the kind of identity information and data that those devices generate, and the opportunities that they create for brands to engage with customers in certain ways. So uh, that creates a one, massive opportunity, but two, also a lot of complexity because marketers, uh, CX professionals, already very busy with day jobs, and it's hard to keep up with the constant um, aggressive development of new, better, faster, more ways to engage, yeah, which is really what you see with iPhone and other developments. And the great irony in the sky is that the same hype that is driving artificial intelligence and blockchain and Internet of Things and AR are from marketers who themselves are struggling with how to manage against that hype. You know, where do I make that decision and when do I place those bets is sort of an irony in the sky to me. And that's the second factor is the entrance of artificial intelligence technologies into business technology and into marketing technology specifically, where certainly a discussion of AI is very, very hot right now. It's one of the absolute top uh, inquiries that I get from Forrester clients is, is to talk about that. Um, smaller and very, very large sophisticated companies alike because there's been so much hype about it. And and that is frustrating. I actually actively counsel our clients to ignore the hype and try not to take it too seriously because I'm worried that people are going to burn out on it like we've seen um, hype go the wrong way uh, and possibly jump the shark on so many business trends before. I actually believe artificial intelligence is going to have a huge impact on marketing. And what scares me is if the hype um, turns too many people off, right? We won't be able to make the most of it. So, Joe, in your conversations with CMOs and marketing leadership, how tuned are they to the fact that they could get stuck in a vendor stack, you know, dedicated to one vendor, whether that's Oracle or Adobe or others? This is an idea that comes up periodically and the, the fear, basically, of some kind of lock-in. Mm. 
uh, and you are talking about making pretty substantial commitments to a supplier uh, for one or multiple products for uh, a, a period of time, and replatforming some of these offerings is challenging, right? Um, it's risky, uh, it's expensive, it's time-consuming. So uh, marketing technology tends to favor the incumbent on the vendor side. Uh, unless something is very seriously wrong, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to, to swap out vendors. So uh, there is a fear of that occasionally. I think that is uh, overwhelmed or substantially diminished in today's environment because brands are working so hard just to keep up. I also believe that the concern about lock-in uh, or um, issues with being overly committed to any single vendor is diminished in the marketing world because uh, that pales in comparison to many marketers' concerns about the duopoly of Google and Facebook and how those companies control data and customer eyeballs. So the technology honestly takes a, a seat behind the larger concerns about the media and the social ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So, Joe, we started this conversation saying technology has already taken a very significant role in marketing. Now, albeit it's sort of codified existing operations and changes need to be made, but nonetheless, technology is a big part of the puzzle today. And if you look at AI or AR or even just identity resolution, a much bigger part of the puzzle going forward. So what is the big advice to CMOs who have to think of this architecturally from an experience standpoint and from the standpoint of customer acquisition and the delivery of value so that customers stay for the long haul? What, what does it mean to the, to the CMO? Well, I don't think that the CMO needs to be a technologist. Uh, and most CMOs today at large corporations are not. <laughs> so that aligns. But I think that CMOs need to and increasingly are recognizing the importance of technology and data and the operations that surround that. And, and so that recognition, the willingness to uh, go to the board and the CEO and to budget, right, for and go to bat for getting the right technical resources and capabilities uh, and tech itself is a really critical role that the CMO plays. Also, I think the CMO should be challenging the organization to think about, are these the right technologies to get us strategically to where we want to be as a customer, to get us the right insights, to help us engage with customers in the best way, in the way that they expect us to. CMOs can hold their organizations accountable for not just buying a collection of technology or checking off that shopping list, but buying technology that generates sustainable competitive advantages uh, and has strategic value and business value, not just buying tech because everybody else has it too. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Extraordinarily helpful and great stuff. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.